Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, what's in a picture when it comes to Batman? The God of Mischief debuts on Disney Plus and it's part one of our E3 preview. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, popculturecosmos.com, or anywhere you see Pop Culture Cosmos on social media, it is greatly appreciated. And just a heads up, if you need a last-minute Father's Day gift, Head on over to manscaped.com for all those great men's grooming and lifestyle products. And if you type in the code, all one word, fast break, courtesy of our sister podcast, the Lakers fast break, you can go ahead and get 20% off plus free shipping from manscaped.com. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He's our own caveman. When it comes to Pop Culture Cosmos, you got to go ahead and check him out every time out at popculturecosmos.com. His awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck, which is available now. And of course, the Super BS Games cast. It is my good friend indeed. It is Josh Peterson. And there's a good reason why he is Caveman Josh. Hey, What's hey, up, yeah. man? What's going on? It's uh, it's a Sunday, and I am coming at you from my phone here. Obviously, you know that that super smooth radio voice is not here today because my dog literally ate my internet. Oh, um, I know you're a teacher. You are a teacher by trade, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there's been more than one student who has come up to you. Um, um, Mr. Peterson, um, uh, uh Mr. Peterson, a dog ate my homework last night. I couldn't turn it in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that, I actually have gotten that excuse before. So, I mean, and it actually did happen. Like, they showed me pictures of the paper and the dog's feces afterwards. So, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so my dog ate my internet. Really unfortunate. You know, we live out here kind of in the countryside. So, it's going to be Tuesday before we get someone out to fix it. And uh, I'm living like a caveman, you know? Like, you know, I was sitting down earlier can't even play xbox because all the series x stuff is or a majority of it is all online like you can't access the game unless you're online and that's driving me crazy so i've been playing uh playstation 5 
Horizon Zero Dawn because PlayStation, you know, as much as I like love my my Microsoft stuff, PlayStation does not utilize that only online to like save the game function, which uh, has been nice. Well, I'll tell you what, as I told you on the DM earlier today, welcome to 1992. I know I'm about to start like getting some flint and stone to light a fire in here. Like it's there dark. You go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But it is going to be a great show. We still have for you today. And caveman Josh is going to get his way through it as best he can. But we got a lot to talk about on today's program, including the debut of Loki this week, Wednesday, in fact, to Disney plus. So you better catch it on Wednesday. Cause we're going to definitely have thoughts on the Friday show, but we're going to talk about the stuff leading up to it. Loki, the character, how it got to this point in the first place. So we're going to talk about that coming up in the show. Also as well, we're going to be previewing E3 because E3 is around the corner. And I'm already been approved. I know Josh is getting through it and he's going to be approved. And so we're going to be a major part of E3 this year. We're going to talk about Nintendo, PlayStation, and Xbox. It's our console preview start off. We're going to start off with the console makers on our E3 preview part one. So that's coming up here in a sec. Plus, also, on the back end of the show, we've got no Ian Fine. He's going to stop by once again. He saw a picture of Batman. Actually, it was a picture of a Batman suit. It was being sent out by the director of Flashpoint. And he became obsessed with it. So when no Ian Fine from Hunnic Queen gets obsessed with something, he's got to come on the show to talk about it. So he's going to talk about why this bloody picture of a Batman suit is so intriguing and where it might come from coming up on the show. And on the back end of the show, Josh and I are going to go back to the yield times of Chivalry because Chivalry 2 is a video game that's coming out to PCs this week. We're going to talk about what's the whole big deal with Chivalry 2 and why it could become a big hit for PC gaming coming up here on the show as well. But first, my friend, it is the box office. But before we do that... Before we go to the box office, you have already got Marcus and I started on trips to the rumor. We took one last week on on the Friday show. We said hi to you along the way, by the way. And I'll tell you what, it was great to go ahead and do so. But you said you wanted to go back and take another trip to Rumorville. So, all right, I'm gearing up the car here. I'm starting it up. All right, let's go. Let's go take a trip down to Rumorville. Sorry, I must have like missed you guys waving to me because I was I was just in the basement doing research on one of my favorite topics here in Rumorville, Spider-Man: No Way Home. You know, we've been speculating for a long time about what this movie might entail, who's going to be there. You know, the Charlie Cox and the Andrew Garfields and the uh, Tobey Maguires. So, you know, surfed around the internet a little bit the other day and found which is a uh, very very dangerous thing. I know you could fall into a hole in the internet and never come back. So what I did find was some potential plot leaks that a lot of websites had posted. I don't know if they're very refutable websites or reputable websites, but what they're saying is that there's there's a little guesswork at what's going on here. So we know we have the Green Goblin, right? William Defoe is in No Way Home. We know, Jam- well, that's all. No, we don't know that yeah, for we sure. We don't know, but it's it's all but been confirmed. We know Alfred that Alfred Molina has spilled the beans on on mm-hmm. everything, but he hasn't confirmed Willem Dafoe. Yep, and we know that Jamie Foxx is reprising his role as Electro. 
Yes. And we have speculation that Charlie Cox will be playing Daredevil. Uh, well, he'll be playing Matt Murdock. I don't know about Daredevil. Yeah, I don't think it'll be Daredevil, but it'll be Matt Murdock. Yeah, and we know that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield might be in it, despite Andrew Garfield denying it, because he's actually a pretty good secret keeper. Yeah. Um, okay, so the plot goes like this. The plot that I read goes like this. It says that Doctor Strange is, like, helping Peter Parker hide out, you know, from... Because we found out... Everyone found out he was Spider-Man. Doctor Strange is helping Peter Parker and his friends hide out here. In Peter Parker, in the Doctor Strange's mansion... Peter Parker runs into this, like, I guess, I don't know, it's like a, he's at like a prison of some kind, and in it is William Defoe's uh, Green Goblin. Willem Defoe. Willem Defoe's Green Goblin. And what he tells him is that because we're stuck here, all the, uh, the, the multiverse is falling out of whack, so you need to let us go so that you can save the world. Like, if you let us go, the multiverse will be fine. You'll, you'll save the world. But it turns out that Doctor Strange has been capped. These villains have been finding ways into other universes. So he's been capturing them and putting and like imprisoning them. So they don't mess up the multiverse. So Tom Holland, let's, let's them go. One thing leads to another. And so you have all these villains from the multiverse terrorizing the MCU. And so it turns out the only way that Tom Holland can fight these new villains is by going and finding the other Spider-Men, right? So he gets Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield together. They fight all these, these multiverse villains Willem Dafoe kills Ned and Tobey Maguire dies in the, in this fight. And then Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man kind of like convinced, tells him, you know, he has it. He has the opportunity. Uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man has the opportunity to kill Willem Dafoe's green goblin. And, to- and Andrew Garfield stops and said, Hey man, this is how like you become a villain by doing this. And so, you know, that happens. And then they don't really say what happens after that. But um, you know, that's like a rough, guess of what that storyline is going to be whether or not that's true we don't know again this is rumorville floating here on the rumor mill but there are a lot of things out of that that do sound plausible what are your thoughts i don't know that's pretty deep there must have been a lot of leaks if that's the case and i'm not sure it was like a it was like several paragraphs long i just kind of paraphrased it a little bit yeah i mean that's a interesting that's an interesting scenario if that was the case uh and obviously that would lead to a lot of interplay between the spider-mans you know with spider-man flying around at avengers campus the hype for spider-man no way home is going to go ahead and be in full swing i kind of like that that premise but will because it does combine certain elements of the mcu in regards to dr strange it gets the multiverse started and Get, well, actually, gets the Spider-Verse end of it started, so we could go ahead and see many, many things at that time. The only thing with this multiverse there, and the multiverse in the MCU, and the multiverse in the DC universe, which is upcoming, which we'll talk about later for the Flashpoint with Knowing and Fine, is, is it going to be told in a manner that's not confusing for the consumer? That's the only thing. That's what I'm worried about is... Are people going to be able to easily understand it? Is it going to be told from a narrative that we do not have to go ahead and stretch our brains that far? I mean, because if it does, and if it, you have to go deep into it, and you have to go understand the whole next, I'm not, and I'm not talking about any like real, you know, deep dark things that are that are hidden Easter eggs or anything like that. I'm talking about just a basic narrative. Is the narrative when you go into the multiverse because they've only dipped their toes in it so far in the MCU, and 
with the Spider-Verse doing it and the MCU doing it and the DC Universe doing it, they're all going to be doing it. This is going to be a new next five years that we're going to have to get to understand these multiverses. Is it going to be too much for people, the general audience out there to handle? That's what I'm concerned. Is it going to go over our heads? If that's the case, it's not going to be any fun following all these hero stories anymore. Right. And, and, you know, the complexities of the multiverse aside with something on this scale, you have to think about this because this is there. If this is true, you know, and all the Spider-Men are here, this is going to be a movie that not only has to propel Tom Holland into the next chapter, but it's going to have to officially end the Spider-Man movies from years past, right? It's going to have to put a bow on Tobey Maguire's story, put a bow on Andrew Garfield's story. So we're going to have all these like layers within layers within this, the complexity of explaining a multiverse. So this is like, it's falling dang. I mean, it sounds intriguing and I'd love to watch it, but it sounds like it's also falling dangerously close to like, you know, the issue with Spider-Man three and amazing Spider-Man two. And the fact that there's, too much story to be told in such a short time it's like this you know a person and i know a person that's out there that doesn't keep up with everything the mcu they they come on occasionally for the big stuff and they'll catch the big movies and whatnot or maybe they'll catch one of the shows on disney plus and they'll come in and they'll feel like they've been lost a little bit but they still are able to catch up enough in order to go ahead and enjoy what they're seeing once you get into this multiverse things with all the MCU and the Spider-Verse and the DC Universe all doing the multiverse type deal, if you're a person that is not up to it like we are, that can explain it to people out there, or if you're not a person that regularly watches what's going on, you're going to come into it and be totally lost. And that's going to just disassociate yourself from anything relating to the these one of these universes for good you're just going to walk away and and be done forever because you i mean you could really if you do not do this right lose a general part of the audience which would be the difference between a good movie and a hit movie yeah and like i also you know you, you see this a lot in the comic books so first of all let me say that i appreciate marvel trying to tie all the strings together, right? Like all the, the loose Marvel properties that have been done through Fox or, um, you know, what other, whatever other production companies have owned these properties over the years. But it's also, you know, can, can create an issue where like there's, it becomes a cop-out for storytelling. You know, you see this in the comic books where like, oh, this villain's here to capture the world, to uh, take over the world. Oh, multiverse, man. It all makes sense. Like, there's no reason, like, a villain just shows up from the multiverse and wants to destroy, you know, Earth 616 or whatever it is in the comic books. And there's no, like, logical rhyme or reason for it to happen. It just becomes like, oh, it's a multiverse. All right, I'm, I don't have to explain any further. Absolutely. So it's going to be something interesting to see if those rumors pay off or if it's something totally different that we're going to be seeing upcoming for Spider-Man No Way Home. But the bigger question is, as all three of these universes, the Spider-Verse, the DC Universe, and the MCU, starts dipping their toes even more into creating a multiverse on their own, will it keep the story intact to go ahead and be able to explain itself to the general viewers out there in the years to come? I think that's the bigger question that they need to ask themselves 
And that's the biggest question that is going to be need to be answered. And we're not sure if it's going to be answered until we see the money coming in at the box office. What are your thoughts out there on the impending multiverses for the Spider-Verse, the DC Universe, and the MCU? Plus, also, what are your thoughts on those rumors that Josh had us take as we went down to the Rumorville on Spider-Man No Way Home? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. I know you've been hearing about Manscaped on all those other programs and podcasts. Well, Manscaped and the Hoopheads Podcast Network are working together on something fantastic. And oh my goodness, have we got a deal for you. Manscaped.com has just released their wireless, waterproof, and rechargeable Lawnmower 4.0 which offers their trademark skin-safe replaceable blades that gets you the ultra-close shave exactly where you need it. Head on over to manscaped.com and choose from the huge list of men's grooming and lifestyle products, including the ultra-popular Lawnmower 4.0 Body Groomer, and get 20% off at Manscaped, plus free shipping with the promo code FASTBREAK at manscaped.com. That's right, just type in FASTBREAK all one word at checkout at Manscaped and get ready to start looking good this summer from your friends at Manscaped, the Hoopheads Podcast Network, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. My friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. Real quick, I want to give everybody an update on the box office. Fast 9, or excuse me, I'm sorry, F9 has done extremely well. It's gone over $250 million worldwide to the box office before it even hits the UK and US later this month. So kudos to everyone at Universal for creating another hit in the middle of a pandemic. Also as well, one of the best back-to-back weekends, in fact, it is the best back-to-back weekend so far for the pandemic here in the US. As in week two, we see A Quiet Place Part 2 just falling short of regaining the top spot once again for two weeks in a row. Unfortunately, it did not get that top spot. It came close, though, right around $20 million for the weekend. But number one at the box office was The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. That sneaks in at number one with $24 million here in the U.S. Cruella came up a little bit over $10 million, so it's still doing good. Plus, you got to remember, it has the Disney Plus access. And with The Conjuring, it did number one, Josh, with HBO Max. So that's day and date, HBO Max. Plus, it still managed to go ahead and sneak out as number one. So what does that tell you when you have a movie like The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, still hitting number one with a nice take of $24 million here in the U.S., but still remain a day and date with HBO Max? Uh, I mean, it goes to show that there are... I guess both models can can be profitable. There's potential for both the people to stay at home and watch these films and the people going to theaters to watch these films. Like I know that the people are missing like the genuine movie going experience, you know, and there are people who would rather come home and kick their shoes off and, you know, have some food and sit on the couch and watch a movie. So I think there are, you know, there's, there's big opportunities for both. But I guess what it's going to narrow down to in the end is, you know, what's the which one of these movie watching forces is more powerful? Absolutely. Which one is ultimately wins out? I think if the numbers for the virus worldwide go up again, 
even to any lengths later on this year. That's going to be a concern for a lot of people, and you might see a lot more people staying home to watch these day-and-day -day premieres. But if it holds steady or declines even more, and God willing, that hope that is the case, then we could see even a, a more progressive individual base going to the theaters. So that's going to be a good sign, and we'll wait and see. But again, congrats to The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. I'm not going to congratulate the devil, but I'm just going to congratulate the people making the conjuring. So, sorry. Can I, can I add? Sorry, Beelzebub. No, no, can do for you. <laughs> can Can I add something real quick? Sure. You know what? The conjuring is like a weird testament to the fact that, like, how many film reviews out there actually influence what people watch. You know, because The Conjuring Three is getting re it's not getting awful reviews but it's not getting anything above like an eight you know or below a five so that's like a six or seven that's like a middle grade movie and it's still like doing a great job like people are still watching it so it just makes me wonder like one it, it is a testament to like people not listening to movie reviews and two what does this say about movie reviews do they really have as much influence as we think they do we will actually find that out this next weekend because in the Heights from Lin-Manuel Miranda and his influence on this coming film and this musical that's coming out this weekend, it has already been seen by critics around the world and it has been praised. And I think it is the highest rated movie of the year so far. And that is coming out this weekend to theaters in the Heights. So we will be talking about that on the Friday show, but Josh, to your testament, I think we will find that out as far as the power of critics' words, uh, especially in a positive manner, coming up this weekend with In the Heights. I know it's day and date with HBO Max, but I still think we're going to find out the true testament of how good or how powerful these words are still in our society coming up this weekend. Again, like we're in a weird time, right, where people are not really caring what they watch they're just looking for something to watch so yeah. you know you see a lot of stuff like greenland with gerard butler but you have like all these movies that people would not normally go out of their way to watch or like haven't been marketed very well because people don't need to market movies right now everyone's just looking for anything new to watch and it'll be interesting to see like if this does anything to dismantle the critic industry the word of mouth on social media seems to be uh, as just as powerful these days as what critics are talking about and critics are saying and, and what they're following, what they're watching. Because to me, it seems like we only hear about what the critics are saying when it's really praised or when it's really demonstratized. Uh, and, you know, if it's something that comes out and the critics really all say it's a stinker, I think that influences films. And if it's something really great, Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. We'll wait and see. But again, the most praised film of the year so far in the Heights is coming this weekend. So we'll put it to the test. But again, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. It if a lot of people may the devil must have made a lot of people do it because they watched it and they watched it big time as it wins the number one seat this weekend at the box office. But before we head to the break, my friend, we've got another mischievous individual. That's heading to Disney Plus this week. As finally, the MCU returns after taking a little over a month off with Loki. And that series, which a lot of people are very intrigued by. 
I really love the vibe of this film. It really reminds me of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It also has like a Terry Gilliam feel to me. It just really is something different. And I know that WandaVision, people loved WandaVision, who do because it was something different for the MCU, while Captain America and the Winter Soldier was something more traditional from the MCU. Now we go back to something a little bit more experimental for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Your thoughts as Loki drops Wednesday on Disney+. Plus. You know, I know that like I complain a lot about like how we're oversaturated with Marvel stuff, but I can say that I'm genuinely excited about this because like I don't know what to think. You know, it's like it, it feels like this show is a mixture of the X-Files and Fringe and has elements of Umbrella Academy. Like it's very aware of itself. And from what I've read by the director, like it's supposed to have major repercussions across the entire MCU. And, you know, if we if you remember, you know, everyone's talking about how Doctor Strange is going to and the multiverse of madness is going to be like the introduction of the multiverse. We've already technically been introduced to the multiverse, if you think about it, right? Like when they go back in time and they change the timelines, they created a multiverse in that moment where Loki gets gets away. So, you know, th- that being a whole separate thing, I'm curious how this is going to have these major repercussions across the entire MCU. Will Loki eventually make it into the main timeline? Who knows? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what to think. And that's really kind of exciting to me because I don't know anything about this show. I don't know what to expect. I don't know where the story's going. I just know that it's going to have a lot of uh, Loki, like that that whole like, hey, I can be violent or I can be funny or I can have, you know, I can be an action star. Like there's a lot of we're going to see a lot of different sides of Loki in this show. And I'm excited about that. And this is already a series that has been approved for season two. Also as well, it's a show that's going to feature a character who could be present for Thor's Love and Thunder as well. I would be very interested to see how this Loki fits into that movie. He may not be a big part of it in this time around with Thor's Love and Thunder because there's a disassociation between the old Loki and him developing into the Loki that we remember and people cared for at the end as he got himself killed by Thanos. But, you know, if I were able to right now sit down with Ken Feige, the head of Marvel, who is the designer of all this, and he's got that big whiteboard somewhere where he's just got everything mapped out just perfectly. Whereas I said before in DC land, it's like erased all over the place. And, you know, you've got erase marks all over. Seriously, can but, you imagine if one of their execs wrote in Sharpie on the whiteboard, they'd be in trouble. They wouldn't be able to change anything. Yeah, exactly. Just like the, the lady on the AT&T commercial. But right. if I were to ask Kevin Feige one question, the question would be this. Tom Hiddleston, is the reason why you're dealing with the Loki character 10 years after you debuted him, is he the reason or did you have this mapped out already with Loki? I have a feeling, and it's just a feeling, and I could be wrong on this, that he would tell me that Tom Hiddleston has made that Loki character a valuable part of the MCU. If you would put another actor in there and he would have given an okay performance per se in Thor, because Thor is an okay middle of the road movie, but is really buoyed by the performance of Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston makes that movie. And I don't think anybody here is going to tell me differently. And his character coming into the Avengers, 
was the Loki character the original plan as the villain for the Avengers? Or did his performance in Thor really get that going? And his performance in the Avengers, did that get his future going in successive Thors? Uh, that's what I want to ask you, Josh, is how much of this 10 years plus later, and the fact now that we're having a series with Loki with another season to come in the future, how much of this was actually, do you believe, planned out by Marvel? And how much do you believe was planned out after they saw the performance of Tom Hiddleston? So I don't think a show was planned out at first, but I think that because of how he owned the role and how people responded to it, they saw the potential there. So I imagine, you know, I feel like they probably had some kind of like, I'm sure they had big plans for Loki because if you look in the comic books, like he's even bigger, he's got an even bigger presence in the comic books than like Thanos does, for example. But uh, I mean, in the wrong actor's hands, if you've seen him as many times in the movies as we already have, it could have been a tired act after, let's say, Thor, The Dark World. We could have been done with Loki by then if his performance wasn't up to snuff. I think it was around the time Avengers came out that they probably mapped out the future of Loki. You know, I, I think they, they had plans for this to happen like way, way, way back. I just don't know if it was right after, uh, you know, Kenneth Branagh's Thor film, which wasn't actually that great. He's always been able to own the role of Loki and always been able to you feel you feel emotions with him. And that's the thing, even though he's a character you're not supposed to feel emotions with, people have grown to be so appreciative of his efforts. And you know what? I think that 10 years later, I'm not tired of seeing Loki. I'm excited for seeing what happens on Wednesday as we go forward and seeing what the God of Mischief can really do when he creates a lot of mischief this week on Disney+. Plus. What are your thoughts out there on Loki starting up this week on Disney+. Plus? We want to hear your thoughts if you're just as excited to see the God of Mischief and what mischief he can create. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next on the back half of the show, it's our E3 preview part one, where we talk the console makers. Plus also as well, Knowing and Fine has got a fixation on a picture that was sent out to troll the internet. And boy, has it ever on Batman. And a little bit of blood spattered. Although I kind of thought it was looked like like jam or whatnot. So you never know. It could have been like his breakfast all over the place. But again, we will it go was, ahead. And... It was very reminiscent of Watchmen, like the blood splatter yes. on the circle. So you can tell there's some influence there. But yeah, yeah there was could have been, been a jelly donut. You know, Brucey Boy likes to have his Dunkins in the morning. It's either an homage to Zack Snyder or an homage to IHOP. So we'll talk about that coming up on the back end of the show. Plus also as well, Chivalry! It's time to be chivalrous once again as Chivalry 2. We'll talk about why you might be interested in this game as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are, and you gotta check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store, and you'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. And we're back with the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you so much for watching and listening out there as we're on almost 50 stations now. We're on almost 50 radio stations around the world. We cannot thank you enough for being a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
But right now we want to go ahead. E3 is around the corner. E3 starts up this time next week as we talk. So I want to hear your thoughts, Josh. We're going to go ahead into our E3 preview part one. Part two will come on Friday with Marcus de la Garza and I talking about the, well, if you want to jump in too, you're more than welcome to on Friday. So we're going to be talking about the software makers and publishers, software publishers out there on the Friday. But today it's about the big boys. It's about the big guys that are up to play. It's going to be Nintendo, PlayStation, and Microsoft coming up this weekend. Although PlayStation's not going to be at the event. Nintendo's going to do something separate. Microsoft is going to do something kind of separate, but kind of attached. So, okay. When it comes to what's going to be there, what's going to be announced, we're going to start off with Nintendo first, because we always say PlayStation, Xbox here, PlayStation, Xbox. But since you're wearing a Mario shirt, we're going to start off with Nintendo. I know there's a lot of speculation on what's going on because of the concerns that people have as far as COVID and how, how much as far as video game delays there are. But be that as it may, I want to hear your thoughts on Nintendo. First off, there's been wild speculation and pretty much confirmation from the top journalists out there, Jason Schreier of Bloomberg and so many others that are talking about a souped-up Nintendo Switch. So your thoughts, first off, on a Nintendo Switch getting a bump up. Is this something that's going to be happening? Is this something that you're looking forward to? And is this something that's going to be able to shape the future of Nintendo going forward? So I, I know we've talked about this before, you know, with the, the Switch Pro, as they're calling it. Is there a need for it? I don't I don't think so. You know, like, I think we've kind of circled around to the conclusion that, like, Nintendo Switch doesn't really have any games that are really anywhere close to being able to showcase something like that, right? Like we It's have usually more... the ports. It's usually the ports that have trouble on the Nintendo Switch currently. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see a game like, like Bayonetta 3, right? Like, let us show you what Bayonetta 3 looks like on the Switch Pro, which would look really cool. But, I mean, I, I'm thinking about a game like Mario or even like Borderlands or Spyro the Dragon. Like, there would be no difference between that and the regular Switch, except for, you know, the, the 4K resolution and whatever frames per second that they're going to be able to put on this thing. But other than that, like, I don't really see a need for this. But also, you know, my concern here is, and I talked about this with, with Brank on the uh, Super BS Gamescast, is the fact that, like, Nintendo is not above, because I think they did this with, like, a Xenoblade Chronicles game way back in the day. They're not above, like, taking something and making it exclusive to their souped-up version of this console. And if that's the case, I think they're going to get a lot of hate from a lot of people because, you know, we're in a time right now where these consoles, they're not easy to get, right? Because we're having the, the microchip shortage and we have a high demand and stores not being able to keep a lot of this stuff in stock. And especially like, you know, as a parent, I couldn't see the justification in buying another Switch just to play one or two games, especially since these Switches that they have are so new. Like, I don't think there's a lot of parents out there that can really afford to buy their kids new switches and that kind of isolates a lot of gamers too like i don't see a need for it i'm sure some people would like it if people because not not a lot of people have 4k televisions you know like so at that juncture what is the point of this new system you know on on the game side is there anything at e3 you're hoping will be announced because i feel like the holiday season we have to have at least a one big 
first party announcement from Nintendo, whether that's Breath of the Wild 2, which probably won't get released until February or March of next year. You know, I know we have a new Pokemon remake coming out, but like other than that, like I can't possibly think of anything. You know, we haven't seen any trailers for any Metroid games or anything like that. So I feel like there has to be some big announcements about holiday gaming uh, from their first party developers or, you know, that things might not be so great for Nintendo when the holiday season gets here. Yeah, the, the new Pokemon open world game that's coming out, that's scheduled for next year. I think if anything, please let it not be just Splatoon 3. I know Splatoon is a nice little series, but it's never caught on to the lengths or level that Zelda or Mario games do. I know a lot of people are waiting to see a new Zelda game. I think it's about time a new Zelda came out. Uh, I'm not exactly a big Zelda fan myself, but I know a lot of people are. And I think you, you've been uh, involved in Zelda before, so... A Zelda being introduced into the wild, so to speak, pardon the pun, it would probably be a great way to go ahead and get everybody talking about Nintendo. I would love to see a new Mario game, a new full Mario game that people would love to get into. I think that's something that I think is a standard and a constant that a lot of people will enjoy. A new maybe Mario Kart, that would be great, but I think a new Mario Universe game where the platforming, the traditional stuff that they do. I think a traditional Mario game in a new universe, in a new setting, in a ramped up type platform probably would be, for me, the one thing I would like to see the most. Yeah, I would I would like to see that too. Like maybe a Super Mario Odyssey 2 or, you know, whatever the next adventure is for Mario. Nintendo's got to have something to go ahead and be part of this holiday. Maybe they can get away with a Splatoon and, and another smaller title, but we'll see. If they do bring out Zelda for this year, that will take the cake as probably the biggest selling game of the year uh, outside of maybe a Call of Duty or a GTA 6 if that dropped. But a GTA 6 I don't see dropping until 2022 at the earliest myself. But regardless, I think a Zelda would probably be the, the one thing I think people want the most. And I think that would be the one thing that would get the most attention and is the most likely candidate, the most likely candidate to go ahead and be present at E3. PlayStation is up next for us. And I want to ask you this, when it comes to PlayStation, we've seen already some hints of things yet to come and maybe not yet to come when it concerns Horizon Forbidden West. That we saw an extensive gameplay. I was wondering the timing of it was kind of weird because E3 is around the corner and I know that they're not, they're going to have their own PlayStation State of Play. It's kind of weird that maybe this suggests that they've got a lot of stuff that they're going to debut outside of it. So they wanted to give Horizon Forbidden West some time, although they didn't give it a street date, which was kind of disappointing. Maybe they'll give it a street date coming up here next week. But what are your thoughts on PlayStation? What are you looking forward from them? We heard the news already about Gran Turismo 7 and also the next God of War with the next God of War being delayed to next year. And both that and Gran Turismo 7, which were once exclusives to the PlayStation 5, now non-exclusives and coming to both PS4 and PS5. So I want to hear your thoughts on what you're looking for from PlayStation coming up this week. Yeah, that was uh, that was a very surprising announcement by them like that shows a very human side of sony who tends to act more robotic right like what's gonna make money instead of like hey what do the gamers actually want so i i it was surprising to hear them say hey we're gonna put out gran turismo and god of war on ps4 also 
because those were originally slated to be PS5 exclusives. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would like to see, like, I, and I don't know, like, did they say they were having a state of play or did they say they were doing some kind of thing outside? I, I know think that... they are doing some kind of thing. They're, they're not going to let E3 go by or in that time frame, even though they're not doing anything with E3. They're not going to go ahead and, and probably... They've got to go ahead and have something announced something, during that yeah. time. I mean, I I would imagine so. I mean, we don't even have a street date street date yet for Horizon Forbidden West, so I'm assuming that they're going to have something announced over the course. They they're not going to let Microsoft and Nintendo have all the fun. Yeah, yeah, and like I know Horizon Forbidden West was like, hey, it might come out in 2021, but it might not. We'll let you know soon. So I don't know what soon means. I thought that like Square was based Square's conference was basically going to be the PS5 or PlayStation show, right? Because they seem to have the most Sony exclusives these days. What I would like to see from PlayStation, you know, and obviously this is going to tie back to Square, I'd like to see footage of Final Fantasy 16. You know, it'd be nice to see. I know you'd be excited about a sequel to the Order 1886. Just what I was thinking. Um, that'd be cool. I guess like what a lot of people are expecting to hear is what does the next chapter of Uncharted look like? Because there's been a lot of whisperings online of people, uh, you know, of, of them allegedly recruiting a team to work on the next Uncharted. And, you know, whether I don't know what Naughty Dog's involvement in this is going to be, but you know, it sounds like there's been a lot of uh, divisiveness amongst the different Sony studios because they're trying to get a team together to work on this next Uncharted title. Yeah. And what that's going to look like and when that's going to come out, I don't know. But they have to have, you know, it just it seems like the next big thing, right? Because they seem to think that everyone's really excited about a Last of Us 2 remake or a Last of Us remake. But I don't think people really care that much. I think Uncharted is the big boat going forward. Well, The Last of Us Part Two did very well for Sony last year, and The Last of Us Remake, like you said, not really many people are really excited about that because we've already seen The Last of Us refurbished already in a in a former fashion already for PS4. So we're going to see that again with PS5. You know, it's great. Woohoo! Yeah, we're all excited for that. But with Naughty Dog, there's an, an, an I guess from what I've heard before in the past that there's a new IP that they're working on, but you're right. They they would be remiss in not working on an Uncharted in some form or fashion. From what we saw in Uncharted 4 and spoilers coming up, it was most likely leaning towards the daughter of Nathan Drake going ahead and being the at the forefront of the Uncharted games if they were to go ahead and do so going forward, which would be cool by me and seeing guest appearances by Nathan Drake would still be awesome. But, uh, you know, see, be, be that as it may, the order the, you mentioned the order 1886 and i had that already on top of my head and i was almost looking at my keychain of my order the order 1886 as you were doing that i know the studio that created it is no longer attached to sony and they're doing their own thing but the ip is still with sony and the story and the world was rich and full of life even though the game itself was roasted over the coals for only being five to six hours of actual gameplay. And it wasn't exactly up to par as far as even a shooter is concerned, but the world itself had so much potential and the graphics on it at that time were breathtaking. And the, it just the vision of what you see. In fact, it even stands up today. If you put it on a PS4 Pro, if you put it on a PS5, it would look so beautiful on that platform. So to see an order 1887 or the order 1888 and go into that would be great. 
if it came out today, I don't think there would be as many people up in arms about it as far as the run length because of the fact that we've seen games since then have those type of campaigns that run that long and not as much ado has been made of it. So I think that it's came out at the wrong time, but I think it does have potential for future going forward. So I'd love to see that. I'd love to see the order 1887 or 1888. I'd love, I'm all in on that if that's the case. And and here's the thing too, like people like those six hour, six to eight hour game experiences. I mean, I like it because, you know, you look at a game like Assassin's Creed or Zelda or something, or even Final Fantasy and you're, that's like hours and hours. That's a huge commitment. Whereas, you know, I could sit down and play something like Gears of War or Halo and those campaigns are less than 10 hours usually. So I like those experiences because then I can go back and replay them and not feel like I am going to be spending the rest of my life playing this game. So and I know a lot of people bought it out there at a very discounted price, but I know there's a lot of people that have purchased it and have played through it. So it's something I think a lot of people would really enjoy if it got a chance again to go back into that world of the order. But last but not least, as far as what we're hoping and what we're previewing again is Microsoft Xbox, they're going to be coming up, I think, this time next week on Sunday of next week. So I want to hear your thoughts as far as what you think Microsoft could showcase. I know Halo has got to be the first thing on everybody's mind. I know Halo Infinite has got to be the first thing that they got to talk about. It's going to be out there. It's going to be the big thing that they push because it's already overdue because it was supposed to come out at the time of launch for the xbox series so i want to hear your thoughts on what xbox has in mind or you think xbox has in mind for this upcoming e3 so some things that i can say without a doubt i know we'll be there i'm sure we're going to see hellblade 2 we will see halo i'm predicting we're going to see a gear spinoff of some kind i don't think it's going to be gear 6 but i think it's going to be a spinoff of some kind whether that's like another tactics type game or it's another like judgment type game, I think that we will definitely see Gears of War have a presence there. There will be Forza and there will be Fable, most definitely. And something that I would really like to see, but probably won't happen, and I say this every year around E3, I want to see Alan Wake 2. You never know. Could you be never. the American Nightmare coming back again in a new Alan Wake but we'll wait and see. That's a great suggestion. I do want to see where we're at with Halo and get a confirmation that it's coming out this year. Even with the pandemic and the coronavirus and all that slowing everything down, I think they've had enough time to go ahead and put that one out for this holiday. So that could be the big ticket for Microsoft this holiday because they, they are in sore need of bringing a content to that console. I mean, they don't have anything really for that console. Yes, the medium is actually coming out to PlayStation 5 because it's already been rated, so. Yeah, well, so they, and we can't forget too that Microsoft is doing a joint conference with Bethesda. So I'm sure we're gonna get, you know, something from Starfield and I I don't wanna say we're gonna get footage of Elder Scrolls or any news on that, but I feel like Microsoft, you know, now that they own these big guns, they want to show them off. So I feel like we'll probably get something related to Elder Scrolls, but I don't know. We'll wait and see, my friend. But it is going to be very interesting with this new combined Bethesda-Microsoft package that we're going to be seeing this time next week. And we'll update you on everything E3 over the course of our shows. In fact, we're going to have daily specials during the course of E3. Looking forward to it. Once again, follow us on our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos, where we'll give you, again, daily updates, plus 
We'll recap everything right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse as well. What are you looking for at this upcoming E3 2021? We want to hear your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And stay tuned for this Friday because Marcus, and I'm hoping Josh can jump in as well, on a preview of the software publishers for E3. We'll talk about what we may see from some of them coming up on the Friday show as well. So when we return, we're going to have Noe and Fine from Hunting Queen. He has been fixated on a picture that came out to the internet that had the internet explode for 10 minutes on the new Flashpoint movie with a Batman suit, maybe belonging to Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne character with a whole bunch of blood and guts on it, or could have been toast and jelly. We don't know. We'll go ahead and speculate that right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. And he's back. He's found another fixation for his pop culture infusion for life here. It is a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check him out every single month on his Podbean channel, Honey Queen, and of course, social media on Facebook, Honey Queen. It is Noah and Fine. And Noah, it's always great to see when you are fascinated by something because it just pops up all over in your world. And the latest thing that has popped up for you is something that's popped up for a lot of other people. They've become fascinated because of one picture, director, and I guess the guy behind what hopefully will be the DC universe going forward as far as for Flashpoint and the new Flash movie that's coming up. And that is Andy Muschietti. Now, director Andy Muschietti posted out on his social media a Batman suit resembling much in the way maybe an updated version of what Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne will be wearing with a little bit of blood on it, yet it could be blood. It could be some jelly from some breakfast right there at catering. We don't know. So much speculation went into this, and I know it's fascinated you. So I want to hear your thoughts on this picture sent out. I don't know how much time we can give on it because I don't really know what how much time that you should give on something because it's just a picture of a Batman suit with a little bit of blood on it. Could be ketchup. Could be something else. You know... I feel that it's almost a homage to the Watchmen with the comedians having a nice day button with the, but, the, but I think it, it, you I know, think it's more of a homage to Zack Snyder. I'm just going to say, yeah, that. I also have a feeling this has to do something with Batman returns where Batman and even Batman 89, where Batman was killing the henchmen. You know, don't forget at the end of Batman 89, he was throwing the henchmen down the shaft of, of the cathedral and in Batman Returns, he took the dynamite and put it on the strong man and threw him down a well and, you know, he blew up. So mm-hmm. it's it's not like the, that Batman had a problem with killing. I have a feeling that either he punched somebody really – don't forget, this is Flashpoint, I believe. At least that's where they're going through. Yeah. So it, it's – Michael Keaton could either be the Batman that we knew or he could be 
again, Flashpoint, it was Thomas Wayne who, and because Bruce was the one who was murdered, and Martha went insane and became Joker, and Thomas uh, I Wayne... I mean, it just, it leads to yeah, speculation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, so the bottom line is, this could be a Batman that's broke, beating people and their blood is going on his bat symbol. It, it could be a number of things. One of the rumors right now is that it's not going to be his death because apparently Michael Keaton is going to be a mentor for this new DC universe. But we don't really know. It, it could be a number of things. Did Batman punch somebody so hard that their blood ended up on his on his uh, dusty old? Could it be through symbol? the time traveling process himself? So we don't know. We, yeah, we don't. It, 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 it's a number of things that's keeping everybody guessing. But so many people have been commenting about this. I, I really don't have much to say right on it other than I find it to be fascinating that people are so excited about this. Flashpoint was a great run in DC New 52 and, and also a kind of rebirth that it was brought up again with the button. So I'm kind of curious where they can go. And after watching the Zack Snyder cut, Ezra Miller, I definitely feel can work as Flash, although I am kind of curious where else they're going to go with this. But again, it's still up for speculation. Other things going on, I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'm just here to talk about the costume. And I like how the costume is dusty and the costume is aging. Mm -hmm. So I like the fact that this is going to be an elder Batman. And I love the fact that Keaton is back. I didn't like him as Batman at first, but the more I go back and I watch Batman and Batman 92, I feel that Burton was more concerned about the villains and the heroes. So I'd like to see, since he did work in Birdman and he worked in Spider-Man, I'm curious to see what a director that can do both hero and villain, what we're going to see with this aging, angry, alternate Batman and what the main Batman and alternate universes can do. It would be nice. I think Ben Affleck is going to have a cameo as well. Also, with, with Batman Beyond, when we had old Bruce Wayne meets young Bruce Wayne, or that was Justice League Unlimited. So, I'm with, with Kevin Conroy voicing old and, and young. I like this. He had a cameo, I believe, on the, um, on the CW series. Yeah, so, but, but getting back yeah, to this actual picture yeah, but get, here. But getting, bringing back to the actual picture here, look, we can debate this to death. I'm just going to enclose on this because it's really not much to say. It's too new. My theory is. Either A, he punched somebody and the blood ended up on his costume, or B, somebody punched him and he's just getting old and he realizes he can't be Batman anymore and he's just aging. He's not as mortal immortal as he thought and he's realizing his mortality. It's one of the two. It's going to be really interesting once this Flash movie comes out next year. That's all I got. Yeah, it's really going to be interesting. I mean, it's led to a whole bunch of speculation, which is kind of concerning because people are more interested in Michael Keaton's Batman than Ezra Miller's Flash, which, again, poses the question, in a Flash movie, can this Ezra Miller, as Flash, carry this entire movie as the front guy, as the as the leading man, per se, in this type of movie? Can he lead a new direction for the DC Universe? These are questions you and I will ask. But the best place to probably do that is either here, coming up on a show, maybe down the road, or the best place to go could be 
Honey Queen on Podbean. So we'll go ahead and maybe talk about that coming up as if Ezra Miller could be that individual that leads us into a new DC universe. Could it be Michael Keaton playing a major role for the DC universe down the road? So we'll ask these questions and try to answer them as best we can in upcoming episodes on my show and also your show as well. But Noah, I knew I had to make sure I had some time for you on this week's program because I know how important it was to you and I know you were really excited for it. And I know the internet was excited for it just to see Michael Keaton playing that role once again. Definitely. It's like that he is the Batman, so at least for the 1989 version. But yeah, it'll be nice to see what else he could do. Absolutely, my friend. But I wish you continued success with your show. Hopefully you'll be coming back here on very, very soon. I know that as soon as something just pops out there in pop culture, that once it gets on your radar, you make sure to pump on the show whether it's Batman, whether it's Flash, whether it's Marvel, whether it's DC, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's anything out there in pop culture, we're just glad to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. I want to thank so much, Noe and Fine from Honey Queen, stopping by on today's program. But before we head on out, my friend, let us go back and rejoice and regale in the splendor of you old Merry England in the past, my friend, as Chivalry 2 sets to debut, my friend. And that in the world's worst English accent that I did, ye old Merry English accent. So as I said, in the worst English accent ever, Chivalry 2 is coming out of beta, and it's a 64-player multiplayer event, first-person battle royale where you're just beating everybody up and trying to use whatever it is that you have there as far as weapons, tools, or whatever you can do. It's hand-to-hand. It's it's jousting. It's you know, it, it's a whole bunch of stuff going on, and, and it really is getting the internet up in arms. This is a title that the first one came out, and it got a little bit of waves out there. It got a little bit of notice. It's one of those mid-tier titles that could get a much higher platform. And we talked about this with Biomutant, and we've talked about this before with a couple other games this year. Because the releases are not as prevalent right now, because we're just coming out of this pandemic, I want to hear your thoughts on Chivalry 2. This could get a lot more notice with a lot more people. This feels like it would have been better released back when, like, the pandemic was going on, right? Like when Renaissance fairs had to go online and they're like, it would be real cool if while we were talking, we could create digital characters and beat the snot out of each other with medieval weapons and hammers and stuff. Like, I love the idea of it, of just being able to like be thrown into a battleground with 64 other people. And you just kind of swing that great sword around and see what happens. And Or uh, a spear, or you, you've got the, the clubs, and you got, yeah. It's just... It sounds like this game's going to be a lot more skill-oriented than like a Call of Duty. Because like Call of Duty, you have to like, it's, you can just like spray bolter. But in this one, you have to be really precise in what you do. Like these medieval combat games are not simple things by any stretch of the imagination like there's certain mechanics involved in swinging the sword and throwing the spears and shooting the the arrows like i think that this game is going to be fun but i don't think it's going to be easy we're interested in seeing the progress of chivalry 2 and if you'll take up the call for chivalry 2 as it comes out this week Uh, sorry i'm not going to be doing any more bad english accents for now try me next week What are your thoughts out there on Chivalry 2? Are you interested in giving this a try? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. 
Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough, as always, for joining me. Your dog ate your internet, but you still managed to get through and join us today. Is there any last thoughts on the way out? Definitely going to be an interesting couple of weeks, you know, with E3 and all these big announcements and the alleged drop of the Spider-Man trailer that might happen the next few weeks. So didn't happen for Tom Holland's birthday. No, it did not. But, uh, you know, again, the rumor mill suggests that it is going to happen soon. So in the next month, we're going to get a lot of things to talk about. So I'm excited to see what's floating our way on the pop culture cosmos. So for Josh Peterson... This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Hello, everyone. Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. We are the Cigar Nerds Podcast. Do you like cigars? Great! We review cigars while talking about movies, TV shows, science, and pop culture news. What? You don't like cigars? Great! Because we also talk about science, movies, TV shows, and whatever's going on in the news. It's what we do. We smoke cigars, and we know things. Find us on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network Podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.